1: Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God.
0: And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the
1: redeemed. Thank you once again for tuning to the podcast. This is our Tuesday edition of the podcast. We are in Jingle House, Pennsylvania, and we certainly are thankful for the church, thankful for Pastor Seely, the folks having us in, for what God is doing in these services, and we're looking forward to the rest of the week, what God is going to do. Let me say this, the purpose is that Jesus Christ be glorified. The purpose is that Jesus Christ be magnified, that he be exalted above all else. We're not here for show of the flesh, not here to oppress, but we want Jesus Christ to be seen above all else. So if you're not in the area, unable to attend, would you at least pray for our services each night, seven o'clock tonight through Friday night, and are just looking forward to what the Lord is going to do in these services. Now, I do want to go ahead and make it just a brief announcement. Lord willing, next week, we plan on having a Bible study there in Chambersburg. Uh, Brother Dale Morey is supposed to be in town, and I'm not sure what night we're going to do that, but just to let folks know, if you're in the area, if you're around uh, in Chambersburg, we're going to probably sit up in the backyard and put the tent up and invite folks to come, invite neighbors to come, invite family to come. But God has impressed upon me very much, either Monday or Tuesday night, I'm not sure which night, to have Brother Dale Morey come and do Bible study. It probably wouldn't be bad if he came both nights, and uh, we're just going to see what God is going to do. And so make that a matter of prayer, we'll announce as soon as I know exactly what we're planning on doing, I'm going to announce that on the podcast. And Brother Maury, if you're listening, this is the first you heard about this, it's because I forgot to tell you about that. And so I uh, just want to let him know. We're back in verse 7 of Job 19. I don't know if we'll get done this chapter, today. there's much in this chapter, but we see where Job has now taken the position again as a prophet of God. He is speaking by the Spirit of Christ. He is speaking concerning the sufferings of Christ. And then also, as First 1 Peter 1.11 told us, and the glory that should follow. And we see that throughout Scripture. And again, I mentioned this last week, but I had a young man who's recently been converted. And uh, I guess within the last eight months or so, he's been converted to Jesus Christ and he has seen Christ in Scripture. And he contacted me about Jonah chapter two. And he just said, he said, I, I mean, he said this man was preaching it, he just preached the practicality of it. But he said, I see in that, that that is Jesus Christ. And he's that whole chapter, I think, is Jesus Christ. And I just had to laugh. I said, glory to God. I'm glad that a young man converted to Jesus Christ sees that. And that's our prayer for many of you that listen, that you would see Jesus Christ in Scripture. That you would see him. Uh, he said he told his wife, went home and started reading to his wife. He said, didn't even tell her what he saw. And his wife immediately said, that's Jesus Christ. It can be none others. So again, what we do is we try to give you the idea that Jesus Christ is in the volume of the book going against what is normally prescribed to men. And a lot of times religion is just a prescription. You've got to follow this guideline and this guideline and this guideline. But the guideline is the word of God. It's not a series of commentaries. It's not a set of books. It's not a dictionary. It's not a concordance. And again, I make sarcastic comments about those things, but use the tools you have at hand. Just don't ever let them correct what the Word of God says. Don't ever let them deviate from the Word Word of God says. Once you see Jesus Christ in Scripture, you can't deny him. He's the Son of God. Once you see him and I see him in verse 7, behold, I cry out of wrong. Why? Because he's without sin. That's Jesus Christ and his cry, again, that cry, with strong crying and tears in the days of his priesthood, Jesus Christ. He was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. We see his cry throughout scripture. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In Psalm 22, why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? He says, know that God hath overthrown me and hath compassed me with his his net. Behold, I cry out of wrong, but I am not heard. I cry aloud, but there is no judgment. Now that judgment, we always think, I guess, instinctively because of past training and teaching that judgment is somehow always wrath or vengeful, but it's not always wrath or vengeance. Sometimes judgment's a good thing. It is good to be judged of God and found righteous. That's a wonderful thing. That is a glorious thing. He hath fenced up my way that I cannot pass, and he hath set darkness in my paths, now, why has he done that? Well, in the garden, when he gave his will to the Father, his way was set. Now it was for I realize it was foreordained from the foundations of the world that Jesus Christ was going to die. I understand that. But in the garden, as he wrestled his will against the will of the Father, two distinct personalities, two distinct persons within the Godhead, and he gave his will to the Father, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. He put his will in the Godhead. And then his path was set. His path was, a, his way was fenced up that he could not pass. Why? Because he was God and he would never change us. And once he gave that will to the father, he headed straight to Calvary. He set his face like a flint and was on his way to the cross. He had set darkness in my path. Of course, that's a Calvary. We understand that. He has stripped me of my glory and hath taken the crown from my head. Now, don't ever forget this is Jesus Christ, the creator. He made all things, all things by him consist. That is Jesus Christ. He is the king of glory and that king of glory will come in. And yet he's taken the crown from off of his head. Why? He made him to be flesh. Then he made him to be sin for us. That was Jesus Christ. He is no longer king. Why? He's being offered for sin. He's been made sin. He's not the king of glory anymore. He's taking the crown from off of his head. I see Jesus Christ. He hath destroyed me on every side, and I am gone, and mine hope hath he removed like a tree. So that tree that was planted by the rivers of water bringing forth its fruit in its season. It's now been removed. It's been hewn down. Why? He's going to die. He's going to die on a tree. He's going to be cursed to die on that tree, according to the word of God. He had destroyed me on every side. What does that mean? He's compassed him about. His archers have compassed him about. His net has compassed him about. Hell, death, dogs, bulls, they've all compassed On every side of him, the enemies of Jesus Christ have stood. But then God himself came against his own son. And on every side, he came at his son. That's Job chapter 16. We covered that the other day. Verse 11, he hath also kindled his wrath against me, and he counteth me unto him as one of his enemies. Now, that's one of those verses that really triggered this with me in the study in the book of Job. Job 16 was the big one, but this is one of the other ones. Why would he count Job an enemy? And it dawned on me he didn't. God never said Job was his enemy. God never said Job. God, Job offered up sacrifice every day just in case his children had sinned. Job knew God. Job had a relation. God called him a perfect and an upright man. One that feareth God and escheweth evil. That was Job. That was his testimony. So when God's wrath was kindled against him and he counted one of him as one of his enemies, and again, I'm going, how can this be Job? And it dawned on me, hey, look at what the word of God is saying here. He's a prophet of God. This is not Job. This is speaking of one which is to come. This is none other than Jesus Christ. God has made him his enemy. Why? He's been made sin for us. He is sin. He is buried our sins in his body on the cross. God has laid on him the iniquities of us all. It has separated him from his father. In verse 12, his troops come together and raise up their way against me and camp round about my tabernacle. What are his troops? Well, part of that, and I do mean part of that, are the angels of heaven. And I understand that. And I understand that that's just part of what we're looking at here. But they've come and what are they done? They've circled around him, they've compassed him around. They've raised up their way against me and camped round about my tabernacle. He hath put my brethren far from me, and mine acquaintance are verily estranged from me. What does that mean? They stood afar off. But the whole crowd that followed him forsook him. They've already fled. Peter's in there warming himself by the fire. His whole crowd has fled. John's standing afar off with a few women there, his mother and Mary and others. And he's standing afar off. His acquaintances have fled. Those that loved him fled. Those that called him Lord fled. Those that said, Hosanna, Hosanna. They've all fled him. They've all left him. They've all departed him. He has put my brethren far from me, and mine acquaintance are verily estranged from me. So what are his brethren? I believe that's his 12. I believe that's the ones closest to him, his brethren. He calls them brethren. Mine acquaintance are verily estranged from me. Who's that? It's everybody else that had followed him. It's those that came to see the miracles. It's those that climbed up trees to find him. It's those that tore up the roof to find him. It's those that had leprosy that found him. It's those with issues of blood that found him. All those acquaintances are far from him. God put them away from him. He died alone. He died naked. He died bloody. He died gory. He died alone on the cross of Calvary. And then he goes on and says, my kinsfolk have failed and my familiar friends have forgotten me. There it is, family, his friends once again. They that dwell in mine house and my mates count me for a stranger. I am an alien in their sight. Now, again, somebody could contend to say this is Job is returning to his own reasoning again, and I don't I don't question that. I don't believe because he talks about a couple things here that absolutely Job is now returned back to his speak and his speeching. He speaks of his maids. They count him as strangers, an alien in their sight, talks about his house and Jesus Christ, the son of man, did not have a place to lay his head. In verse 16, I called my servant. and He gave me no answer. I entreated him with my mouth. My breath is strange to my wife, though I entreated for the children's sake Of mine own body, yet young children despised me. I arose and they spake against me. Now I'm gonna stop right there in verse 18. I'm gonna touch on this just a few moments here. But then verse 19, we'll talk about the resurrection tomorrow. But he goes on, and so again, we go back to Job. We've gone from him prophesying to him speaking. He called a servant, he gave no answer, and treated him with my mouth. He gave no answer. And you realize Job's servants have died. His house has been absolutely wrecked. His maids are dead. His servants are dead. Uh, his flocks are gone. His children are dead. His wife is there. He said, all my inward friends abhorred me, and they whom I loved are turned against me. He said in verse 18, Your young children despise me. I arose and they spake against me. When is that? He was that man that was in the gate. He's that one, that hoary head that was in a position of authority. He was in the gate. He was sought after for wisdom and sought after for counsel. But now the young children despise him. Now the young children are cursing. Now the young children are my. So again, he's gone from a prophet back into his role. But we'll see as we start again tomorrow on the podcast, he goes into that place again of prophecy. He goes back into speaking of Jesus Christ. I'm not hesitant about that. I could see the back and forth. I don't see where it goes completely into, into prophecy. I see where he pulls back. He speaks of his own calamity. But then when he begins to speak of the resurrection, he begins to speak of that which is to come. We see Job again as that great prophet of God. Why? He's prophesying of the glory that should follow. What is the glory? It is the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That twofold imminent return of Jesus Christ. What is the blessed hope? It's the redemption of this body. All pain is gone. All sorrow is gone. The seas are going to cease. The storms are going to cease. Life as we know it is over. And to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It is the glory that's going to follow. The the struggles of this life, the trials of this life, the hurts of this life have no comparison to that glory that's going to follow in the resurrection. That's the blessed hope. Second fold and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, that is seeing Jesus Christ in the air. That is imminent. That is his imminent return. That is upon us today. Are you looking for his coming? There is a reward for those that are looking for his coming. There is a crown that he gives to those who are looking. The Apostle Paul said, not unto me only, but unto all those also that love his appearing. For those that love the appearance of Jesus Christ. We are looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, and it could be today.
0: There's a lost soul who started the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. As he cries for forgiveness and mercy, God is waiting. You have
1: been listening to the Daily Doctrine God, Podcast with Evangelist Tim McBay. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelists.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manassa Community Baptist Church. 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption calleth
0: night Now the angels of God are For the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing.